Well, speaking of rat poison, Shane, if that's your cup of tea, John Reed is here to deliver it. Fox Sports Knoxville, another outstanding and entertaining interview, this time from the from the Tennessee side. So let's kick it over to John. Speaking of wrestling, I can see him coming off the top rope like the <laughs> ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by friend of the show, John Reed. Of course, you know him, host of Talk Sports on Fox Sports Radio, Knoxville, and of course, uh, Reed's Ranch Podcast. He's been covering Tennessee, and I, I just I thank my lucky stars that we got a guy like John Reed, otherwise Greg Schiano, maybe the coach up here at Tennessee. So, John, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. How you doing, my friend? It is funny how, uh, you know, a couple years ago, people were like, ah, man, we maybe should have just let the whole Schiano thing go because Jeremy Pruitt sort of suck. Way to go, idiot. Thanks for stopping it and ruining everything. So now all of a sudden, Tennessee, you know, maybe a, a week away from being the number one team in the country when – when the college football playoff rankings come out, it's crazy how fast, you know, things go. And even here, you know, with me and you, I know I've came on the show with you twice. At one point we were talking about, you know, where's Tennessee go with the coaching search. And I was like, you know what, let's go with the defensive coach with, you know, let's kick the tires on somebody like Gerard Mayo if we're going to get so far down our list. And of course, Tennessee with an, with an offensive coach and it's paying huge, huge dividends. And then the other time we came on, we were talking about, Hey, you know, maybe Tennessee needs to take things seriously because they're falling behind. You know, I think the phrase I used Mike was they need to decide if they're a big boy or not because they had just lost out on a transfer. I believe it was Isaiah New York, you know, coming from Wyoming, he chose Texas instead. And we just had a conversation where it was like, you know, Tennessee is at a, a crossroads where we are, you know, we have to decide if we are a big boy or not. And I was worried that we were going to decide we were not, but Right after that, the NIL stuff started really rolling. Spire Sports, shout out to them. And pretty much everything from that moment on has been gold for all of Tennessee athletics. So you win some, you lose some, it's fun. <laughs> well, yeah, well, in Tennessee, all they've been doing is winning this year, John, of course. And, and you know, fans are excited. This is a great time to be a Tennessee ball. But let me ask you this. If you were to go up against Tennessee – what would your game plan be? Because I'm. this is, I think, the biggest question heading into this Kentucky game, going into this Georgia game two weeks from now. Do you try to outscore Tennessee and, and maybe, you know, get a turnover here or there? Or do you just try to limit their possessions and, and, and kind of do game control? Because that was the plan at, for Kentucky, it seemed like, last season. But, hell, not even that worked. So how would you go about trying to defend or stop Tennessee's winning streak? Yeah, the Kentucky game was so funny last year because, you know, time of possession, it was like 46 to 14. And it was just a, a perfect combination of Kentucky being able to sustain long drives and Tennessee just hitting one or two play touchdown drives, mixing with the pick six. So, like, you kind of threw time of possession out the window. I mean, really, the way I think you stop Tennessee's offense is to go back to 2021 and start faking cramps again. But it seems like the SEC has really kind of put a stop to that. I know they haven't really said anything publicly, but you can't convince me that there wasn't like a memo sent to coaches to be like, hey, we can't do this anymore. No more. Because you haven't seen it, you know, sport-wide, league-wide so far, you know, the entire year when that was maybe the number one or number two talking point. 
I think with Tennessee, it's as simple as if Tennessee can pick up one first down, they are going to score. Because once they can go really fast, you have no chance. Like Alabama got lost with Tennessee's tempo and matchup problems and wide splits and motion. And, you know, the, the fact they're trying to put these guys out on the island and make these college kids make snap decisions and make the correct read. And if not, Jalen Hyatt's running 50 yards down the field. I think the only chance you have of stopping Tennessee and, you know, knock on wood and, you know, all of that, but you just gotta, you gotta slow down the tempo and no one's been able to really do that so far. And this year, Tennessee's just been so much more effective at, you know, running the ball and then, you know, turning that into big plays. You, you, people always kind of talk about Tennessee being an air raid offense. I couldn't be further from the truth. Like they are a chew you up and spit you out on the ground and then go over your top. Like they're really, really balanced. And as soon as, like I said, they pick up eight yards and get the second and two, and then you're going fast, you, then you get a first down, and next thing you know, Tennessee's in the end zone. Your only hope is to, you know, fall down and grab your leg, it seems like. <laughs> well, you hit on a player I wanted to ask you about, John. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, I mean, he's he's in the zone right now. He's unstoppable, seemingly. I mean, he's got more touchdowns than, than damn near half the league in the SEC receiving-wise. Can you recall, and it doesn't even have to be football, but can you recall a, a Tennessee athlete being on, on such an incredible hot street that Jalen Hyatt's on right now? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I can't. And, you know, other sports, I'm sure there's been a Tennessee baseball player who's been smashed at home runs. Gilbert Beck, you know, one of those guys really had a, a run like that. Trey Lipscomb last year. Basketball, I mean, Grant Williams was pretty damn good, you know, winning back-to-back, -back, you know, or being, you know, back-to-back -back SEC player of the year. He was on a you know a big streak, but what Hyatt's doing just to kind of go from promising rookie, promising freshman, I should say, that showed a couple of flashes, mostly only in the Alabama game. You know, he burned Patrick Sartan a couple of times. They're like, okay, there's something here. If we can harness that, this guy has what it takes. And then all of last year was pretty much, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think he would tell you the same thing, was pretty much a non-factor. And you looked and you're like, man, is this a guy that's maybe going to hit the transfer portal? Is this a guy that's going to be like, hey, I got to get out of here because I've gotten passed up. Instead, he said, you know what? I decided I had to take things seriously. I decided I had to have to hit the weight room. I have to learn the offense. And then, you know, just to see him kind of explode, even game one didn't do much. Game two against Pittsburgh. I think if you go back, I think he had 10 catches for like 90 yards or just kind of Pittsburgh was kind of give him the easy free five or six yard pass. And he wasn't doing much with it, but was taking what the defense gave him. And then the moment Cedric Tillman went out, it was like, okay, now let's just spread the ball around. Let's just exploit matchups. And Hyatt has been on a run that, you know, Kelly Washington, you know, maybe back in the day or even Cedric Tillman that, you know, at the end of last year, those are special runs you get on as a wide receiver. And he's on a hot streak. He has one touchdown away from already tying the school record for single season touchdown records, uh, taking, a, you know, tying up Marcus Nash. That, that's ridiculous to be in game six and already looking at that mm. now a lot of people john have started to compare this tennessee team to the 2019 lsu team but according to my listeners you were the first one to, to kind of get those get that train going down the tracks what 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 did you see in this team that made you th think of that 2019 lsu team and and your confidence level that they can finish the deal Hendon Hooker can win the Heisman and win a national championship. I, I realize that's that's still a, uh, you know, that may be a tall task, but do you think this team can can finish the deal? Well, I mean, you know, the conversation started 12 to 3 every day, talk sports, fan run radio. 
the conversation kind of started as a joke, like a bit, or just like it was a, I won't say a joke. It was like, what's the ceiling for this team? What's the best case scenario for this team? Because, you know, you're talking like, hey, this team could maybe go 10 and two and lose to everybody but Georgia and Alabama. Like, that's very realistic, you know? And then you're just like, well, actually, if everything clicks, Hendon Hooker, I mean, if you check the comparison to Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow wasn't Joe Burrow until Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? Like Joe Burrow, his first year of 2018 at LSU, he was a solid quarterback, but it wasn't really until that UCF player took a cheap shot on him and got the personal foul penalty after an interception that he became a different guy. And, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, those are great, great wide receivers in the NFL. They were great wide receivers at LSU, but, you know, you looked at Tennessee's receivers, you're like, okay, Cedric Tillman, his numbers are pretty good, and you knew there was some potential there with, with Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy was a five-star. You're just like, if everything clicks, this offense can just outscore you. And much like LSU's defense was in 2019 – they didn't really win games for you. They got better as the year went on. And, you know, when the offense is putting such pressure on the other team that you, uh, you know, you can capitalize on some mistakes and such, but we kind of just started talking about it as the ceiling of the team. And then, you know, you get to the Pittsburgh game and it wasn't as high scoring, but it was kind of like reminiscent of the Texas game in 2019 where LSU, you make one play and Joe Burrow, you know, takes it from a six point game to a 14 point game and boom, it's over. And like, Hey, you survived that game. Then you get more time. You start clicking, you start clicking and, you know, that, that's kind of how this season has played out. And, again, I don't know if Jalen Hyatt's going to be anything close to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in the NFL, but Tennessee's got a pretty good stable of wide receivers. And Hendon Hooker, I don't think he's going to be the number one pick in the draft like Joe Burrow, but I do think he is well-positioned to win the Heisman. And I do think he has a expertise of this offense. I think the offense is explosive. I think the defense is good enough. And you're just going to have to line up and outscore Tennessee, much like you did that LSU team, and no one could do it. No one could match up with all those wide receivers. And, you know, Tennessee, if they get Cedric Tillman back, is going to, you know, just add to their riches already on offense. Mm. Now, I may have already just kind of played into this, so I apologize for, you know, putting the cart in front of the horse, but we're talking Heisman. We're talking college football playoff. Uh, we're, there's an epic, epic Georgia game in two weeks. What are the odds, in your opinion, that Tennessee is overlooking a, a dangerous Kentucky team coming into Neyland Stadium? Should Tennessee, you know, be, be taking this team uh, a little bit more serious as a as a challenger to potentially pull the upset? Nah, see, it's a good question, Mike. Like me personally, my focus is almost like ninety five percent on the Georgia game. I have, you know, I got my tickets today. I've got my logistics. I'm planning out. Like, I'm figuring out how to get down there. I don't view Kentucky really as a threat. To me, it's all about, you know, what, November 5th? Like, can you line up and win the biggest regular season game of the season? However, I'm not playing football. I don't have to worry about being focused on Kentucky because I'm not going out there to play. I think Josh Heupel has had the boys ready to play every week. Like, if there was a chance for a letdown game, would you not have looked pretty sloppy against Tennessee Martin a week after beating Alabama? I understand the defense gave up a touchdown on their second drive, but, you know, the offense was ready. The defense was ready, you know, after that one drive, and it was about as sharp as Tennessee's looked all year. I have a lot of confidence that Josh Heupel is focused on the bigger goal, but most importantly, I think this Tennessee team is special when you just look at the leadership of the team. I know people are starting to make fun of Hendon Hooker's age, of him being 24 years old, but, like, there is a value in him being old. Like, he is mature. He is locked in. 
he is, you know, focused on the goal. You have Darnell Wright. You know, you have some defensive guys who have been here and, and know that, like, hey, this is a chance for a special season. Let's lock in. Let's win every game. Maybe the black jerseys help. Maybe dark mode helps. Maybe, you know, breaking out the, the black, which did you see? Looks pretty sharp. Maybe yeah. that gets the guys juiced up. I think the crowd's going to be fired up because the crowd, you know, is going to be electric because they know that right now you are in the midst of what could be a very, very, very special season. So I, I find it almost impossible that it would come out and lay an egg. Like I really do. So I don't, I don't think that they are overlooking Kentucky. I am overlooking Kentucky. I 100% am. I don't think they can keep up with Tennessee. I don't think they can block Tennessee's defensive line. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball like they did last year because their offensive line is nowhere near as good as it was last year. And Tennessee's run defense is much, much better than it was last year. I don't want to say this is going to be a complete replay of the LSU game, but like I didn't think Jaden Daniels could hurt Tennessee through the air. I'm not sure Will Levis can hurt Tennessee through the air. Not so much because I don't think Will Levis is good enough. I don't think he's that good, but also because I just don't think Kentucky's going to be able to block Tennessee. And it's one of those situations where, you know, if you get down a couple scores and then you can kind of pin your ears back and send a bunch of pressure, like I think he might be in for a long, long day. Because, I mean, you're, you're the SEC expert. Kentucky's offensive line, worst at pass protection in the league, right? Yeah, were they, were they like dead last in like sack rate? I thought I saw they were last, at least heading into last week. Like, I know they ain't been very good at blocking and they were giving up four sacks a game. That That's 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 pretty tough. Yeah, they're tough to come in and kneeling who's going to be really loud and, and be able to handle that. They've been about as pathetic as you can imagine for not not only pass blocking but run blocking. Now Chris Rodriguez has come back and and yeah. he's he's been a beast. But I th but he's just so talented that I think he can even be hit behind the line of scrimmage and somehow still turn it into a three yard gain. So yeah, I mean I I think you have a great point there. Let me ask you about this Kentucky series, John. Do you even does it even rank on your scale as a rivalry? For Tennessee, or or is it not even close to say the top three on Tennessee's schedule? Oh no, no, no. Tennis, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky is a is a huge rivalry in in basketball. <laughs> in football, I don't I don't think about Kentucky football. No, no. I'm 32 <laughs> years old. They've beat me three times. One time they got you know they should have gotten Derek Dooley fired when the team was like actually we don't want to go to a bowl game. We don't really care about this. We don't want to go six and six. How about we just get to chill over Christmas break? We lost to a wide receiver playing quarterback because we scored seven points with maybe until Josh Heupel got here, maybe the best offense we had had in 20 years because they're all just like, eh, eh, we're good. The other time was Butch Jones's four and eight season when you still almost went in there and beat them. You were a, you, you, you threw a Hail Mary. They got called like the three-yard line. You almost won that game. You were winning the whole game. You still almost beat Kentucky. And the other one, you know, of course, was a, a COVID-shortened season. Jeremy Pruitt, lame duck, three and seven, which, by the way, Mike, the, the COVID year didn't count. Asterisk didn't count. Kentucky has never won inside Neyland Stadium in my lifetime. They haven't won there in, what, 40 years? I'm not counting it when it's 25% full. Kentucky is going to see a raucous 100% crowd on Saturday, and that whole, like, can't win in Neyland thing is going to continue. So, no, no, Kentucky is not a rival in football. Absolutely not. The only thing that would have made it that is the beer barrel, but we got rid of that. Otherwise, they are completely irrelevant. They want to beat Tennessee. I think we are a rival to them, but no, no, no. Kentucky does not move the needle for me. Yeah, and if you need any further proof that the COVID season was bogus, Jimbo Fisher had a good year down at A&M just in Thank that you. year. Thank you. Yes, great point. 
<laughs> so, so hey, it may be the answer may be neither. But so, who scares you more going into this matchup, Will Levis or Chris Rodriguez? Well, I mean, I mean the the running back. I mean, Chris Rodriguez is awesome. Like he, it is it, since he got back, he's gotten better every week. Like he, you know, last week he ran for what 190 yards. I mean, he was awesome. But I think if it's, I don't think he can win the game. So I guess I have to say Will Levis because if Tennessee is going to struggle, it's going to have to be because Will Levis actually looks like the number one pick. Why? Again, I don't care at all about Kentucky football. I haven't watched really them play all year. Why is he not running the ball this year? Is it it because he's a first-round pick and wants to protect himself? Is it because the offensive line is so bad he's getting hit so many times? But when I look at his numbers, like last year he was a pretty good runner, right? He had like 380 yards somewhere on there. And Mm -hmm. this year he's – negative 47 or so which i understand sacks take away from that but that like his longest run of the year outside of like one of their ball games is like seven yards like he isn't you know doing anything in the run game yeah why is that that's interesting john i I just had a kentucky guy on i asked him the same thing and it's he said it's a combination of him him being injured and the fact that hell we've seen the backup there was he's so god awful they lost to south carolina at home so it's you know, this has to be a Will Levis takeover game, kind of like Anthony Richardson you get, had against Tennessee, and still that was not even close to enough to to get the Florida Gators a victory. But I will tell you this, if, if you don't know much about Kentucky, they do got a trio of receivers, Tavion Robinson, Barry and Brown, Dane Key. Those are dangerous, dangerous players, and I think Kentucky's going to have a major edge in this matchup when we're talking their receivers versus Tennessee secondary so it it could be a shootout style game but I sure as hell would not favor Kentucky in a shootout over this Tennessee offense so let me ask you moment of truth here John what's what's your score prediction for this game I mean you're right about Anthony Richardson you know he played his ass off against uh, against Tennessee but it still wasn't close enough like when you when you saw you know 53 minutes go by it was what 38 to 20 38 mm-hmm. 21 whatever it was so like it, as well as he played it still wasn't going to be close enough you talk about the trio of receivers they are good they are they are good and I guess I shouldn't say I haven't watched Kentucky because I did I did watch them choke away that old miss game but you know I, I just the spreads 12. I think the point totals where you're projecting is I think it's like 38 to, to 24 is kind of what the, the odds makers have for each team's team total. I really think Tennessee is going to win somewhere around like 41, 42 to like 24. I, I do think that's kind of going to be what it ends up being. I, I think Tennessee wins by at least 17. I, I feel comfortable with that just because I do think, like you said, you don't want to get in a shootout with Tennessee. Like, for as good as Kentucky's wide receivers are, I still don't think you want to get in a shootout with Tennessee when you can't block. To get in a shootout, you got to be able to drop back a pass. And when Tim Banks is going to send pressure on Will Levis, and we are going to, you know, see Tennessee be able to get home because they've done that every game. Make no mistake, I I know you didn't get Bryce Young to the ground too often against Alabama, but you were in his face and making him run around and make plays all day. He's Bryce Young. He can make those plays. I don't think Will Levis can. I think he's much more likely to end up like Keaton Slovis did in the Pittsburgh game where he just says, you know, just gets hit, 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 knocked out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's more likely than him being able to, to keep this game close or win it. All right, John, I've never asked a guest to do this, but two weeks out, you, you said you're already focusing on Georgia. And I'll just tell you this. If Tennessee wins comfortably on Saturday against Kentucky, everything I've been told, Tennessee is going to be number one in the debut college football playoff rankings. I don't know if that's 
plays into their fa- you know, their favor, going to Athens, defending national champion, undefeated. I'm not asking for a score prediction, but what are the odds that you think Tennessee can go down to Athens and beat Georgia in two weeks? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great question because Tennessee is going to be number one after they beat Kentucky. I think their resume is so good. But they're also, like in the early look-ahead lines, 13.5-point underdogs, which frankly blows my mind. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a homer. I know I might come across as a huge homer here, but like I respect Georgia, but like a 13-point underdog seems kind of crazy when you can score like Tennessee can. But it, the one thing I'm holding on hope to, I guess, since I am rooting for Tennessee, I know you know I'm supposed to be media and unbiased, but that's not what we do at Fan Run Radio. But like, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe there's another instance that I'm missing. 2019 LSU played Georgia. I recall LSU's wide receivers being open the entire day against Georgia in the 2019 SEC championship, right or wrong? Correct. Last year in the SEC championship, when Alabama's receivers were healthy, I remember those guys being open all day long against Georgia, right or wrong? Correct. Is that a, and, and last year's Georgia team was better on defense than this year's team, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I even think if you go to the national championship game, like, I still think those receivers were open. It's just that they were all backups and couldn't catch the ball. Like, I feel like Alabama dropped three big touchdowns or, like, big first downs, and they couldn't score, like, you know, inside the red zone, which, by the way, Tennessee still a perfect 100% on scoring touchdowns if they get a goal-to-go situation. So, like, I know it's a 13-and-a-half-point spread, but I truly feel like it's a 50-50 proposition. Like, I think if Tennessee goes down there and can hit some big plays, they can win. It's going to be tough for Georgia to keep up. I understand they got a top 10 offense too. Like I, I do think they are a very good team. I don't want to act like I don't, but I bought, I spent a godly amount of money, Mike. I spent a godly amount of money on tickets next week. I would not have done that. And I did not think Tennessee could win against Georgia. So I'm, I'm calling it a 50, 50 proposition and I'm holding on hope to they haven't been able to stop elite wide receivers. And I think Tennessee's got an elite passing game. Yeah. All right, John. Hey, I appreciate you. Uh, as always, outstanding stuff. Before you go, tell the audience where to find your work. Yeah, sorry everyone didn't get to see me on video. I am a 32-year-old boomer who cannot figure out how to work my video. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, J-O-N-2 underscores Reed. I'm on the Fox Sports Knoxville app, Fan Run Radio. And then, yeah, you could go to Reed's Ranch the podcast. Although, chances are you're probably like, oh, this guy's a jerk. I don't really like this guy. So don't, don't go there. Cause they'll just go and like, give me like one star reviews. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Mike, I appreciate you. And for all the times you've came on my show, I'm glad you returned the favor, my friend. All right, buddy. So, Hey, he likes Tennessee to win big <laughs> hell. He's not even worried about Kentucky. He's got his focus oh. on Georgia and these playoffs and his Heisman trophy. Come on now. Like he said, I'm, Shane, I'm smiling he, ear to ear, Mike. That, that interview couldn't be long enough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. He's not a player. It don't matter if he's overlooking them as long as the right. team is locked in and ready to play. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, that was a, a treat to have John back on the show. You know what? Oh, it was great to have them both. This was this is what we like, man. Just this rivalries, man. We're we're getting toward the end of this thing, and there's some yeah. there's some key matchups that are going to pop up <laughs> that that are going to make and break the 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 SEC race. You know, they uh, Kentucky may not go to an SEC championship, but they can really dictate who does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this was this was awesome, awesome content. 